Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hello, I'm Mario Tonaguzzi, Managing Editor of Canada's Podcast. Today on Calgary's podcast, my guest, my guest is Tammy Fan, who is CEO and founder of Lux Du Jour. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Mario. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, Lux Du Jour. Uh, tell me what it is. What do you do? Yeah, so Luxor is a, the first luxury platform where users can shop, sell, rent, or restore pre-owned, authentic designer handbags and accessories all in one place. That's what that's what we do. And tell me a little bit of the history, how this started. Well, it all started when because I'm a bag addict myself, so I started collecting bags, designer bags, authentic bags when I was at a um, when I was a little bit younger. Because growing up poor, you don't really get that, um, and that was kind of just a dream I've always had. It's like, what is it like to kind of own this luxury, knowing my parents never grew up with it, I was never surrounded um, around it, and as I started collecting designer bags, <clears throat> I really grew to appreciate like the craftsmanship, the understanding that these some of these designer bags are investments. I was able to buy a Chanel bag um, eight years ago and be able to sell it for higher than what I paid for after four years of using it. It was pre-owned after. And that's what got me, you know, um, kind of in the, the midst of really intrigued about this. And eventually, it really solved a lot of my problems in terms of finding a trusted platform to sell your high-end designer bags. And that's pretty much how I started. And there's, of course, like I could go on for hours about the background of how I got into it. But that is the main majority that how I grew to have this passion. So how old old would you have been when you started uh, doing this? Well, I started collecting designer bags before I was 18. It was just like this. I worked since I was 14, honestly 12, but I don't know if that's legal to say. Like My parents put me to work at 12. But um, I started actually this business when I was just around 22 because it wasn't initially supposed to be a business. It was just to um, sell my own collection online. And I couldn't find anywhere in Canada or in Calgary that specialized really in selling these high-end designer bags without taking that 50% or 40% commission because these were really expensive bags. And so Instagram was just peaking at that time. So I started uh, just creating this um, Instagram account to list the my personal items, me and my best friend's closet on here. And that's pretty much how it started going. It was really, it, Instagram was never a platform to buy and sell. But for some reason, we thought, let's just start listing our items. And we started building up this community that uh, started buying our items and then wanting to list their items on our Instagram. So that's how it started. So I started around 22 years old. Wow. Uh, was it a little overwhelming uh, to start doing something like that at such a young age? It wasn't overwhelming because I didn't, it was a hobby. It was like, oh, I'm just trying to find to like find a place to sell my items. And I love talking to my bag, like these bag addict clients about like these bags that they wanted to buy. I was just so passionate about talking about it, discovering more, um, really being inside the head of a bag, a bag collector, because I was, I was that person. So I was connecting with the community. It wasn't overwhelming because I also had a job and I never thought it would ever turn into a business. Stay ahead of the game with our expert tips and strategies that will help your business thrive in a digital era. 
canadaspodcast.com. Subscribe now. So I'm a man, obviously. Uh, uh, tell me, what's the fascination women have about bags and purses uh, and stuff? Bags. So I think what it is, partly for me, it's like a token of my accomplishments because, of course, luxury is not everyone can afford luxury. And just like when yeah. I accomplish something, I feel like I want to reward myself with something. And I, I don't know if I could speak on all of women, but for me, it was really like, if I make this accomplishment, I want something to reward myself with. And I was like, being able to afford an authentic designer bag as that accomplishment token for myself to reaching that milestone, because I always want to do better. And I want to reach the next milestone. And I want to also, you know, uh, have another token of like an accomplishment, a sense of accomplishment. That's how I felt. But then on top of that, there's this other world of women that really appreciate authentic, the, the leather quality, the uh, timelessness of these designer bags and the value Surprisingly, a lot of people don't know the true value of certain designer bags that could appreciate over time. Just like how I would never understand a baseball card. How could that be ever sold for a million dollars, right? But of course, the baseball collector and lover will know. I never understand how art could be resold for millions and and multimillionaires make money on paintings. I don't understand because that's not my world, but this is my world, the bag world. And so many women know the value of certain designer brands and styles that appreciate over time. So that is another demographic of women. And I'm the the median. I, I love it because I feel I'm rewarding myself with something I love. And then it also appreciates in value. It's like a stock that I could wear with style. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, exactly. So um, recently you were on Dragon's Den, right? Yes. How did that go? It went amazing as well. Like, I can't believe the first round we ever raised, I decided let's do it on national TV. (laughs) But it went amazing. And it was definitely not the outcome I wanted. But uh, because I was I came in asking for $3 million for 10% of the company. At the end of at the end of it, I was shocked that I I even got something better. Even though it wasn't the valuation, I just knew this is the value. I'd rather own a part of a future billion dollar company than to own a majority of just a multi-million dollar company. So I I think it honestly went so well. And I heard really heartfelt. They cut off parts Arlene said that Arlene made me felt so heartfelt. She Arlene says, you did this all by yourself. You don't need any of us. You just need to raise debt. And she was willing to sit on my board. She said that. And she's because I told her, I'm tired of doing this by myself. I really want a deal. I really want a strategic partner because I don't have that fancy degree. And I don't have that expertise. I don't have my parents um, supporting me because they're also immigrants. So I really just want that partners. Um, and when Arlene said that to me, but and then just to hear all the other offers that the, the dragons believed in me, that was the best experience of my life, just as an entrepreneur. So what was the outcome of this? <clears throat> the outcome of the dragons, Dan, it I got a deal with Manjeet and Michelle at $3 million for 20% of the company. Wow. Yeah. That's going to be like 
like when you sit back and think about it, it's kind of like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, what? Uh, sorry for mind asking you, like, how old are you now? I'm 30 now. Okay, 30. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what would your advice be to uh, to young entrepreneurs uh, getting into something? Uh, you know, what what's your best piece of advice for them? Right now in this day and age, I want to give the advice is utilize the internet, utilize these social media platforms because the technology is always changing. Like ChatGPT also has changed the way I have done so many things as well as Instagram. It was peaking at that time, but had I not used this free platform that was offered at that time, Luxor wouldn't have even existed because I didn't have the money to just invest into a website and pay all these ads. I didn't even know how to run ads. It's use use utilizing all the free resources that's available now online. And because the world's constantly changing, you constantly have to change and you have to adapt. That would be my advice today because there's so many free platforms like TikTok now could make you or make your company. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, uh, sorry about that. Okay. Is there, um, uh, you know, when you look back at your, uh, uh, I guess, career in this journey, uh, what do you think your toughest challenge was through this? I think the toughest challenge for me was to be the face of the, the brand. And I think I, I can resonate a lot with a lot of people who are afraid of that because I know that we're scared of what people will think because I've been always um, under a microscope through my parents and kind of ridiculed and not um, like when I was trying to start this business, my mom would be like, oh, did you sell? She would kind of make remarks like, oh, did you sell a bag yet? <laughs> or something like that. Like, it, I don't like to think about it because then I'll, I'll want to cry. But it's like all, being in, in front of people that can criticize you because I've been criticized my whole life from my parents. I've already went through that. I didn't want to go through that again. So being the face of the brand was something so scary for me to come yeah. out and 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 face. But yeah. I was so passionate that I feel like no none of my content creators could do it um, the way I wanted to do it. And yeah. so I just overcame that fear and I did it. What, um, uh, you know, what advice would you have for people uh, you know, in that regard, uh, how do you overcome a fear? How you would overcome a fear is look at the, the all the possible pros. Think about you don't want to go through life like I don't want to go through life thinking, what if I did it? Because if I never overcame of all the possible pros and possibilities that could have came from the great, like the the great, the positive, the happy things that could happen, I would have never stepped foot in the dragon's den. I would have never put myself in that position to be looked at in that kind of spotlight. But it's thinking like, wow, this this is possible. It's like, what if you did get that deal? But if you never conquer that fear, you're going to always keep having these nightmares of what yeah. if I did that? What if I did that sooner? And that's how I ended up conquering my fear is I was thinking about all the amazing possibilities. It's who I would be disappointing if I didn't. Mm. So I so I did it. Join our thriving community of like-minded individuals who share a passion for success and innovation. Canada'spodcast.com subscribe now. Growing up, like what did you want to do? Like become? 
growing up, I <laughs> I wanted to be a business owner um, because my mom was uh, she owned a restaurant, and I think I. I think growing up, I either wanted to be something in fashion, like a fashion designer. I, I think I have a very creative mind. Yeah. This was when I was really young, like 14 years old, when we had to do these um, school projects and for them to ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? I actually put fashion designer. But then growing up and seeing my mom work really hard and being able to try to support us uh, running her restaurant, I I I knew I wanted to be maybe a business owner one day didn't think how i was gonna get there didn't know how i was gonna get there didn't even think it would actually be possible it was just all in my mind at that at that point so when you were uh you know going through uh you know initially you know uh the business side of what you're doing um did you have any people you know outside of your mom and running the restaurant but did you have any people that you uh and as mentors, so to speak, or even as examples, uh, you know, uh, not on a personal level, but maybe just out there that you, you kind of looked up to and were inspired by. Yeah, um, I Googled everything. My, in my early starting age, all my cousins are successful, high, um, like engineers, doctors, pharmacists. Yeah. And none of no one in my family side is an entrepreneur or owns a business other than my um are my aunts and uncles that own like like nail salons or uh restaurants but it was never like the, the this this kind of path so i didn't really have the human factor but i would read books and i would search on youtube for anything i needed to learn and i would find mentors that way so now like simon sinek is one of the uh, mentors i currently still search up until today but he was also in the early stages i really like to listen to patrick bet david as well right now um and i also knew him from five years back i there's a lot of youtube mentors that i found for free yeah. And I highly encourage people to to find that through YouTube. Like I'm so grateful for the platform YouTube being free and being a resource that I lean towards uh climbing up to my success. Because without those digital mentors, I for sure I don't think I would have made it. Well, where do you get this passion from? Like you're obvious you can just you know, <laughs> you have you're just you know, just your whole personality like oozes right. like passion, right? Uh, like, where does that come? I from? would like to think so because <laughs> I truly, truly do love designer luxury. I love designer fashion, and every single bag I've pretty much sold, ninety-five to ninety-eight percent, I have made money on. And I just want to share that education and kind of share that knowledge and share my experience with everyone because. Imagine having a passion that pays your bills as well, right? Like, how could I not be passionate about that? Yeah. So that's, I think, where my passion comes from. It's, I don't wake up thinking I have a job. I come, I feel like I have a hobby that pays. Yeah. So I come to work and I'm so happy. Like, yes, this is stressful. Yes, it is very stressful. But I come to work and I'm so excited about what I get to do every day and share my knowledge and kind of exude that passion because I hope that everyone is able to find that passion that pays as well because you don't think it's it's work yeah yeah so what do you 
what do you do to handle that stress? Um, I actually just started um, meditating um, through Calm, guided meditation. I also do Pilates um, on my free time. Um, I also have a lot of me time. And I think it's really important to have me time. I time block on my schedule, me time. So whether I'm having a facial or having a spa date, uh, I need that me time to really be in my own thoughts and be away from all the chaos that happens at work, even though it's fun chaos. And I love that uh, chaos. It's really handling that stress through work life satisfaction, not work life balance. And I got that from a book that I read. Do you think that's one of the toughest things for entrepreneurs, especially young entrepreneurs when they're starting out, is to find that quote unquote me time? Yes, it is. Because you think you're leaving your nine to five so that you could be your own boss, but you're leaving a nine to five to do 24 seven. You, you, we end up living, sleeping, breathing our work. And if you don't set the time aside to really worry, take care of yourself, you'll feel burnt out. Even though you're like, this is my business. I need to make it work. You need that me time for yourself. And it is really to make sure your mental health is in a good state because you can't run your people. You can't run your company well if you're not well. No, that's so true. That's so true. Yeah. Where do you think you're going to be in five years? In five years, I think I will make my day one clients and all the clients at Lux Jour proud by either going public so that they have the opportunity and opportunity to invest in the company because they already, I feel like they already invested in the company because they've been supporting me back in the day. (laughs) They were meeting me at parking lots, dropping off their bags or buying a bag. And now it's, it's, it's different, but they have still followed me through the journey. So in five years, I plan to make all my clients at Luxor very proud and make it benefit them. I plan to lead a very strong team of young executives. I know this is really unconventional because when we got investors, of course, they probably want the person with 25 years of experience as an executive to sit on the board. But I said, no, no one, the people that are going to sit as the C-suite within my C-suite, it's going to be the people that work their way um, from the bottom to the top. I want to make the youngest executives because I don't need the fancy degree. If I could do it without a fancy degree, I believe in my people to make it to the top of that corporate ladder without a fancy degree. And I'll get them there because everything is teachable, but you can't teach loyalty. You can't teach um, the ability to adapt and change. And the, what I had, the fire inside someone. With over 700 episodes and 500 news articles, we are your go-to source for all things entrepreneurship. Canadaspodcast.com subscribe now. When you look at uh, where you're going with the company, uh, uh, any thoughts of like, uh, you know, like how you're going to expand? Like, obviously, what does this this investment mean for you and, 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 and what's going to happen in the near future for, with the company because of that investment? Well, the investment is really to keep improving the technology side of Luxajor's app and the platform, as well as really taking more of a global presence. So we have our eyes set in Dubai. 
we might open a head office in Dubai. We really want to take the unconventional way, not necessarily brick and mortar stores, but we really want to improve the technology. And I think there's so much that I have to offer to improve the overall app and the technology within Lux de Jour to really change the way people shop, sell, rent, or restore pre-owned designer luxury. I think you just got to wait and see because we're not the most conventional way of how we market. And we, we do a lot of surveys with our clients and we ask them, what could we do better? What would you love to see? And we actually take that feedback and we execute it and implement it to make it better for our clients and the users. Yeah. Now, you know what, over the years, uh, you know, customers and clients obviously are, are important important because, they, you know, the, the existence of the business depends on them. But do you think, uh, you know, over the years, how do you think customers have changed in what they want and what they need from a brand? Customers have changed over the years moving more towards circular fashion and sustainability. They're moving away from the luxury giants, the the big uh, fashion house brands, or they're not buying a decade ago. Used was not it. People would be embarrassed to say, oh yeah, I bought pre-owned. No, now everyone's turning either more minimalistic and they want to rent because they don't want to own anything, or they want to move towards something that is impactful, purposeful to them. They want to feel like they're part of also a mission. And because we're all about pre-owned and everything Luxor does is reuse, reduce, recycle, we integrate that through the buy and sell part, the rental part, the restoration part, bringing a bag back to life so that it has another second chance. A lot of our clients are really resonating with that mission and with that purpose. Mm. So I think a lot of the what we've changed is you can't go into Chanel or Neiman Marcus or Holt Renfrew and be like, oh, can I buy this on layaway? They, they would laugh you right out the door. They'd be like, can I, hey, can I rent this bag first, try it out first before I buy it? Because these are $10,000 bags. Yeah. They, but <laughs> you can do that on our platform on Lux de Jour because it's like, why are the luxury houses, if you can test drive a car before buying it, how come we can't test drive these high-end designer bags? Yeah. And we are solving that problem through Lux de Jour. How many bags do you have? Oh, my personal collection? Yeah. I have around 25, okay? <laughs> yeah. Does it cost? I don't have a crazy amount anymore. Does it constantly change or is it? Uh... It's, it's constantly changing. And because I work for Lux de Jour, it's like I have, and I can rent if I wanted to. I get a little discount. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that was super. I appreciate you taking the time, Tammy, to chat today. Thank you so much, Mario. All right. That was Tammy Fan, who is CEO and founder of Lux Du Jour. I'm Mario Taniguzzi, Managing Editor of Canada's Podcast. Today with Calgary's Podcast. Thanks for joining us today.